Listen, I said I had a, a word I wanted to share with you and I feel very strongly because this coming Sunday is our Vision Sunday at Freedom Church. I'll be sharing what I feel like God is uh, directing us in the, the direction He's moving us and the vision that He wants us to embrace and to take on for the rest of 2021. But tonight, I want to talk to you about God's vision for your life. God's got a vision for your life. Yes, He has a vision for our church, our corporate body, for our family. But what about your life? So I'm going to talk to you about getting God's vision for my life, for your life. And uh, I know sometimes it can be difficult to understand God's vision. It can be difficult to understand God's will, His plan, uh, what He has for our lives. But fortunately, we have in the Bible, and we're going to look in the book of Habakkuk, uh, a six-step plan for understanding God's plan for your life. Now, Habakkuk is a little-known prophet, only a three-chapter book kind of hidden in the Old Testament. It's good to know these guys, the lesser-known prophets in the Bible, because when we get to heaven and you meet them and one of them says, hey, how did you like my book? You're going to need to be able to say, hey, I love that, all three chapters, just trying to help you out, all right? Uh, All right, so in in chapter one of of Habakkuk, Habakkuk asked God six specific questions. And then in chapter two, Habakkuk follows up with six practical steps on how to hear the answer. And those six practical steps are steps that work for us to be able to hear God's answer for what is his plan? What is his vision? What does he want for my life? What does he want for your life? Uh, So before we begin, here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about an important decision that you have in your life right now. I want, you, I want you to think about an important direction that you're leaning, that you're trying to get guidance for. I, what, what decision are you facing right now in your life that you really need God's guidance? When you think about it, if you can, write it down. If you need to write it down in code because somebody's sitting next to you, go ahead and write it down in code. What do you need God's guidance for in your life right now. I want you to think about that because I want us to use this six-step process to be able to help get God's guidance for each and every one of our lives. What's his vision? What's his plan for our lives? Habakkuk chapter two, verses one through three. Scripture will be right here. Let's just read those real quickly. I will stand at my guard post and station myself on the tower and I will keep watch to see what he will say to me and what answer I will give when I'm reproved. Then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision, engrave it plainly on tablets so that the one who reads it will run. For the vision is yet for the appointed time. In this short little two and a half verses of chapter two, and then in first verse of chapter three, we'll get into in just a minute, are six actions that Habakkuk took to be able to get God's vision for his life. Let's just jump right into it. Are you ready? All right, number one, and all of them are gonna start with the letter W to make it real easy, all right? Number one, will or desire. You want God's vision for your life? You want God's plan for your life? You must want, you must will, you must desire to do God's will. Do you really want to do God's will? Because God's not gonna share his will, his plan, his purpose, his vision for your life if you're not willing to do it. Are you willing to do it? Do you want it? Do you will it? Do you desire it? Habakkuk 2.1 begins with the words, I will. 
I mean, he decides that he's gonna listen to God. In other words, it's a choice. I spoke this last Sunday about the beautiful gift that God has given each and every one of us, the gift of free will, the ability to choose. Even when God lays out the choices for us, he tells us which direction to go. He tells us which choice to make. I will. So let me ask you a question. How serious are you about hearing from God? Is your attitude, well, it would be nice, or is it a necessity? Do you desire, do you, must you hear the voice of God? You know, David was called a man after God's own heart. And many times when you read through the scriptures, it says David longed for the presence of God or the voice of God. He craved it, he panted, he desired, he yearned, he hungered for. And consequently, David heard from God. God talked to David more than anybody else because he had this yearning desire. It was his will to know the vision of God for his life. So the first step to getting God's vision for your life is your will, your desire. Do you will it? Do you want it? Do you desire it? The second is withdraw. Withdraw, write down withdraw. Meaning I must get alone with God. Habakkuk chapter two, verse one says, I will climb up into my watchtower, into the guard tower. That was in a, a Hebrew expression for getting alone with God. You can't hear God's voice when you're surrounded by all the clutter and all of the noise and all the chaos going on in the world. You've got to be able to find a quiet place to be able to hear from God. Now, I understand how difficult this is especially right now in this time, even just this week, another kind of forced shelter in place where everybody's at home and, and we're even gathered around, maybe, maybe you don't have power, but maybe you still have fireplace or gas in the fire and you're gathered around the fireplace. That's kind of the way it is at our home right now. We're on rolling outages where you know, the power's on for an hour, off for an hour. Uh, so we gather around the little fireplace. Uh, maybe you're not able to go to work or all this last year, so many people have, uh, gone to remote uh, employment. They're working from home. Uh, maybe your children are still at home, not, not going to school in person. So we've got the shelter in place. We've got this homeschooling. Maybe you have preschoolers at home. All of that going on makes it that much more difficult to be able to find time to withdraw and to be able to get along with God. So some of you may be thinking, it's impossible. There's no way I can find time to get along with God. I got a perfect example and a story for you that will challenge that thought. Her name is Susanna Wesley. Susanna Wesley had 18 children. I know some of you, 18 children. Yes, 18 children that she gave birth to. Two of her children changed Christianity as we know it today. One of her sons was John Wesley who founded the Methodist Church. Another of her sons was Charles Wesley, who wrote hundreds of gospel hymns, many that are still sung today. And both of them attributed their love for God to their mother's prayers. Now I know what some of you are thinking. When did Susanna Wesley, a mother of 18, ever find time to pray? Well, here was her solution. You know what she did? Every afternoon, there was a time that she would go and she would sit in her rocking chair and she would pull her apron up over her head and she would pray for over an hour. 
You say, how could she do that? Because the children knew that when mom was in her rocking chair and the apron was overhead, they were not to disappoint her or they were not to distract her uh, and to uh, interrupt her or they would die. <laughs> Where there's a will, there's a way. You need to create some order in your house. Get the apron up over your head and just let your kids know if they interrupt you, there will be consequences. <laughs> Listen, I don't care how you do it. I don't care where you do it. I just know you need to find a way to do it, to be able to withdraw and to get alone with God. Have you ever stopped to just think about all the noise that, that goes on in our life, whether it's in the car, we got the radio on. Uh, if you're not in the car, we've got our playlist going on our phone, or maybe it's uh, in the stores or on a plane or uh, on the elevators. There's always music. There's always noise. There's always something going on all the time. Noise is everywhere. So this second step of getting alone with God is finding a quiet place to remove as many distractions as you possibly can and just get quiet. Because listen, it's important for you to remember God wants to meet with you. He wants to talk to you. He wants to talk to you more than you want to talk to him. So you've got to find a time to be able to pull away. And then the third step is this. You've got to wait. If the second step was withdraw and get alone with God, well, the third step is now you've got to quiet yourself. You've got to find a quiet place, but you've got to quiet yourself. You've got to wait. Calm your thoughts. Calm your emotions. That's why Habakkuk 2.1 says, I will station myself. That, that simply means I will not move. I will calm down. I will be still until I hear from God. I'm, I will not move until I hear from God. Hurry is the death of good prayer because we get in such a hurry and we want to answer real fast. Look, God's not intimidated by our schedules. He's not intimidated when we say, I got to have an answer right now because I got a meeting I got to go to. Well, you know, God's a little more important than any meeting that we may have to go to. The truth is, God speaks to those who take time to listen. And, and the other truth is, Satan doesn't want you talking to God. Satan doesn't want you praying. He doesn't want any of us praying. And you know what he does? He distracts us from our prayers in two ways, with our commitments and with our conscience. And here's what I mean by that. Whenever you start praying, notice this. Every time you pull away, you withdraw and you start to pray, you calm yourself down and you start praying, Satan will distract you through commitments. He reminds you of everything you need to do. Every call you need to return, every email you need to return, every appointment you need to keep, every project you need to finish, every job that needs your attention. He reminds you of everything that you need to do, every text that you've got to respond to, you think, well, how in the world can I get anything done when I keep remembering all the stuff that I need to do? And it seems like the more you ignore it, the more he just yells all these commitments and everything that you've got to do. So what do you do? Take a pen and paper with you when you go to pray. And when you are reminded of those things, write it down and go back to pray. If he reminds you of something else, great. Write it down and go back to praying. In fact, Satan's attempt to try to distract you is going to help you get more organized. You'll actually have a to-do list uh, prepared after you finish praying, and you can go do your things. So he distracts us with commitments, but also with our conscience. Think about this. 
he reminds you of your humanity. Satan tries to distract us from prayer, uh, from prayer by reminding us of how imperfect we are. He tries to remind us of our mistakes and he reminds us of our failures and he reminds us of what we did that wasn't so perfect and he just shouts guilty, guilty, guilty and we get overwhelmed with guilt and it's no wonder we try to avoid prayer. You know why? Because Satan reminds us and he tries to shame us and guilt us into remembering who we are and what we've done, the mistakes that we've made. I mean, it's kind of like if you had a friend that every time you talk to your friend, they would tell you how bad you are. Well, you probably wouldn't talk to them anymore, right? Satan uses that same trick that whenever we pray, he uses that time to re remind us of how bad we are so that we associate those bad thoughts with prayer so we don't go pray because we don't want to be reminded of these bad thoughts. So how do we overcome that? You got to remember what God says about you more than what Satan says about you. Because what God says about you is so much better than any lie that Satan tries to remind you of. So how do you calm your thoughts and calm your emotions? Well, you've got to just get still. Psalms 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. You got to be still, calm your physical self down, take a deep breath, relax, and just get comfortable. The, the scriptures say that many times David sat before the Lord. Well, he got a comfortable spot. If your prayer life isn't comfortable, well, you're probably not going to stay there very long. So get in a comfortable place, a comfortable surrounding. In, in 2 Kings 3.15, 3, Elisha used a harpist to pray, uh, to play uh, soft music so that he would create an atmosphere of the presence of God. Even Saul did that with David. It would calm him down. You've got to create a place where you can be calm, whether it's breathing or whether it's soft instrumental worship music, just create a place. Okay, so the first step is your will. You got a will, you got to want it, you got to desire it. You got to desire God's vision and God's plan for your life. Number two is you got to withdraw. Then number three, you've got to wait. You got to be willing to calm yourself down. Number four is watch, watch. Let God give me, let God give you a mental picture. Habakkuk 2.1 says, I will keep watch to see what he will say. That doesn't really make sense at first glance. Let me keep watch to see what he will say. It seems like it makes more sense to say, well, let me listen so I can hear what he will say. But that's not what he said. He said, I'll keep watch to see what he will say to me. Because sometimes God speaks to us through a mental picture. I told you at the very beginning, the title of this message was getting God's vision for our lives. God gives you a mental picture. Now, if NASA can get pictures from Jupiter and Mars, surely God could drop a picture into our mind, right? I mean, we've got hundreds of examples where God gives mental pictures to people in the Bible. We call them visions. Sometimes they're called a dream. Isaiah had dreams and visions. Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Peter, and Paul, and, and, and Mary had visions God often uses mental pictures in our lives to be able to clarify his vision, his plan, his desire, his will for your life. And I know somebody may be saying, wait, isn't visualizing kind of new age? Well, it could be. The counterfeit is, but not the biblical kind. 
See, everything that God creates, Satan tries to counterfeit because he can't create anything. He's not original on anything. He only tries to counterfeit the good things that God creates. So God gave each and every one of us the ability to imagine. And he gives us that ability to dream, that ability to envision. Everything starts as a dream in our lives. And, and, and I know the fact is that about 50% of us are naturally visual thinkers and the other 50% are not. So it may be a little bit harder. So how do we all visualize what God is saying to us? How can we visualize what he is saying? Well, first of all, you gotta ask God a specific question. Over 20 times, there are scriptures that say, you have not because you ask not, or ask and it shall be given. Just ask specifically what God wants to say. And then secondly, we gotta look into his word and see what his word says, because the word is clear. All the answers are right here. Psalms 119, verse number 18 says, the answers are here in the word of God. Okay, so the six step process, you have to will, you gotta want it. Do you want God's vision, God's plan for your life? You gotta withdraw, cut out all the noise. Then you've gotta wait, you gotta calm yourself down, calm your emotions down. Then you gotta watch, watch for God to drop a mental picture into your mind and into your heart. And then number five, you gotta write it down. Be ready to write it down, record the ideas that you receive. Habakkuk 2.2 says, write the vision down and engrave it plainly on tablets. Write it down. The Lord will give you an answer. You gotta be willing to write it down. Chapter one of Habakkuk is Habakkuk writing down what he said to God. Chapter two is writing down what God said back to him. So let me ask you this question. Is your prayer life kind of in a rut? Are you, do you feel stuck? If you feel stuck right now, if you feel like it's boring, it's routine, it's not going anywhere, it's just always the same thing over and over and over again, here's what I would encourage you to do. Write out your prayers as you think them. Write it out. Some people call it journaling. And some people oppose journaling. So if you don't like journaling, let's not call it journaling. Let's just call it writing. Write out your prayers. Just write it down. Write down what you're saying to God, and then write down what you feel like God is saying back to you. That's the pattern that we see in Habakkuk 1 and Habakkuk 2. Habakkuk, writing down what he said to God, writing down what God said back to him. That's the way I encourage you to make your prayer life come alive. If it's boring, if it's in a routine, start writing it down. So you gotta will, you gotta want it, you gotta withdraw, you gotta wait, you gotta watch, You got it right. And then last, worship. Worship. Thank God for speaking to me. Thank God for speaking to us. Thank God for being willing to share his plan, his vision, his dream with our lives. Habakkuk 3.2 says, his praise filled the earth. When you receive God's response to a question, when you receive God's response to a prayer, it should make you want to worship him all the more. Can I get an amen? So that's what I encourage you to do. Sometimes I know God is silent. Sometimes he doesn't speak as fast as we would like or as loud or as clear. And sometimes that means God's just not ready to tell you. And that's okay. Sometimes he thinks you need to grow a little more before he can trust you with this plan, this will, this vision. And that's okay. Any of us that are parents understand that. It's not that we didn't want to 
give our kids a car and the keys to go out and have fun. It's just, they weren't ready. They were asking when they were eight years old. No, they're not ready. They needed to grow a little more. Maybe the timing wasn't right. Maybe God was just saying, you know what? The choice is yours. Either way you go is okay. We just need to trust God. Sometimes I just ask God, you know, is there anything that you're wanting to say to me? Anything specifically? And if I don't hear anything, sometimes I just think God's kind of saying, no, everything's okay. You're good. Just keep moving forward. So today, what we've looked at today is really how to turn our prayer lives from a monologue to a dialogue. How many of you think your prayer, your prayer life has been more of a monologue? It's like, I do a lot of talking. I'm not hearing anything. What I've talked to you about is how to turn it into a dialogue. You to talk to God and let God to talk to you. But the truth is, you can't hear from God until you know God. You can't hear from God until you know God. And there's three different levels of knowing God. And the first level is recognition, where you recognize who God is. The second is acquaintance. I know him a little bit. I know about him. But the third is friendship. God wants to be your friend. God wants you to be his friend. God wants relationship with you. And when you enter into relationship with God, he's not gonna hold back on you. He's gonna do everything within his power to be able to make his vision and his plan for your life clear and available to each and every one of us. God loves you, he cares about you. He's got a great plan for your life. He's got a great vision for your life. And I encourage you to activate some of these simple steps that I've talked about tonight to be, able, to be able to make your prayer life come alive so you can get God's vision for your life. Father, I pray for my brothers and my sisters who are watching this service right now, for all of our Freedom family around this city, around this state, around this country, and literally around this world. I know that you desire to speak to every single one of us. And I know you have a wonderful vision and a wonderful plan for each and every one of us. I pray that you would hear our hearts. And for those that are needing specific direction and specific guidance for something they're facing right now, God, make it clear. Make it clear to them. Because I believe each and every one who are crying out to you right now are willing to do whatever you ask of us. Give us that strength, that power, that boldness, that courage to say yes, Lord, to whatever you require. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.